Welcome to the one and only Interior Design Book Podcast. Decorating by the Book, hosted by Susie Chase from her dining room table in New York City. Join Susie for conversations about the latest and greatest interior design books with the authors who wrote them. I'm uh, Robert Sackville-West. I am the author of a recently published book published by Rizzoli called Knoll, A Private View of One of Britain's Great Houses. And uh, it's about the story of and the design history, really, of Knoll, a house in Kent in England, where my family have lived for 400 years. Um, I'm the 14th generation of the family to live here. And it is uh, the story uh, of that house taking visitors behind the scenes of this great house. An archbishop's palace, a hunting lodge for King Henry VIII, and home for 400 years for your family, the Sackvilles. Knoll provides a window into English history, a private view of one of Britain's great homes. This book is a choose-your-own adventure. We, as the reader, can determine if we would personally be up for the challenge of living at Knoll, the massive stately home in Kent with a legendary 365 rooms, 52 staircases, and seven courtyards. A calendar house. Now, what exactly is a calendar house? Well, there were quite a few calendar houses, uh, surprisingly, in the uh, late uh, 16th, early 17th century. And what it meant was that, yes, there was a room for every day in the year. There was a staircase for every week in the year. And in Noel's case, there was also a courtyard for every uh, day in the week. So that's how you get the 365, 52 and 7. Lots of houses claimed this because the Tudors and the succeeding royal dynasty, the Stuarts, uh, liked the, as it were, conceit of being able to call their house a calendar house. And what they really wanted to say was, it's extremely large, which uh, Noel is, but there has been so much work on the house over the past 400 years, putting up partitions, changing staircases, removing rooms, adding rooms, that if there's one thing for certain, uh, it probably does not have 365 rooms, 52 staircases. It does have seven courtyards, though. The year is 1604, and through dealings with Elizabeth's court, Noel comes into the hands of Thomas Sackville, where he turns it into a Renaissance show house. Could you please talk a little bit about this? Uh, Thomas Sackville was a, a cousin of Queen Elizabeth I, and he was a, a senior uh, statesman and courtier at both the Tudor and the Stuart courts. Uh, he was what's called Lord Treasurer, which was sort of the country's chief financial minister. And a lot of his contemporaries, including him, what they wanted to do when they achieved, you know, these very, very high public offices and uh, all this status was to construct a great house in the country to show off their success. Uh, these houses were often known as prodigy houses, and there are quite a few of them around the country. And um, that is what Thomas Sackville wanted to do. He wanted to transform what had been a fairly sort of drafty, ramshackle medieval mansion into a great Renaissance palace that was fit for entertaining 
accommodating his boss and benefactor, the king or queen. Uh, So running a large estate in the 20th century was a massive undertaking, and following World War II, Knoll was struggling to support itself. In 1946, Charles passed Knoll for safekeeping to the National Trust, with a lease allowing the future Sackville descendants to live in the property in private apartments unseen by visitors. Before you, your wife, and children moved to Knoll, I think it was 14 years ago, you spent a lot of time wondering if you wanted to move there. I would love to hear more about that. People might think uh, it's slightly churlish that, you know, we took such a long time to think about really whether we wanted to uh, live here. You know, most people would say, well, if you've got the chance to live in one of Britain's great show houses, surrounded by all this beauty and all these treasures, you know, most people would jump at it. There is a downside or a compromise, which is one, I guess, of, of privacy, because you are also uh, electing to move from a normal private home into what is, in effect, a corner of a vast public natural treasure with, uh, you know, 150,000 visitors a year with whom you effectively share the house. So that was the big question uh, we asked ourselves, you know, did we want to move into a place that we could never really call completely our own? And did we move into a place where there were a lot of constraints to what you uh, can do, certainly architecturally and in, in designing the way uh, you lived, and also uh, moving to a place where some people, not us as it transpired, but some people might think that they were somehow oppressed by the weight of the past. So my wife and I, we talked a lot about this before we moved to Knoll. We decided that we would give it a go. And we're very pleased we did because actually we have enjoyed living here very much over the past 14 years. And uh, we brought up our children here and uh, it has become Now, I believe off the Great Hall along the south wing of the house is where you reside, and there are different elements of English history that are reflected in Knoll. What is your all-time favorite room? Oh, difficult question. Um, I think my favorite room uh, in the private apartments is a room called the Colonnade, and it's a large reception room framed by seven marble columns that were part of uh, Thomas Sackville's uh, Renaissance makeover in the early 17th century. It has a wonderful plasterwork ceiling. It's south-facing. It's a very sunny room, and the walls are decorated in these wonderful early 18th century trompe-l'oeil grisaille wall paintings with showing niches with urns, and uh, that appear almost uh, three-dimensional. And so it it represents, uh, you know, two centuries in a way of Knoll's sort of multi-layered past, the early uh, 17th century, the marble colonnades, and also the early 18th century uh, decorative scheme. And it's just a beautiful room, and it's a great room for a party. I think my favorite room is the Brown Gallery, a very special portrait gallery lined with 300-year-old Stuart-era chairs. Could you describe this room? Yes, it's one of three principal galleries in the main exhibition rooms. And the idea was that each of these galleries leads from the great staircase to one of the principal bedchambers. And the Brown Gallery is one of these three galleries. And it is uh, lined with um, portraits 
of Tudor and Stuart dignitaries, and as you say, uh, these these wonderful and very very rare 17th century chairs. Now, the story of the portraits is that if you were a, a noble, a statesman of the 17th century, what you wanted to do was to prove to any visitors that your colleagues, your peers, were people of equal, or if not even greater, power and prestige. So you lined your walls with pictures of kings and generals and cardinals to show your visitors that these were the people with whom you mixed, just as you know some people today might um, you know, um, include photographs in their, their houses of them with uh, distinguished personages of the day. And uh, so it's a very sort of a dignified uh, all of a piece sort of room. The furniture, which you uh, mentioned, also uh, has a, um, a story because many of these uh, wonderful Stuart chairs, and in fact, Noel has probably the finest collection of Royal Stuart furniture in the world. Many of these chairs came from the royal palaces, from Hampton Court, Kensington Palace, uh, Whitehall. And they came here to Knoll at the end of the 17th century because the Sackville of the day was Lord Chamberlain to the court of King William III. And it was the Lord Chamberlain's perquisite or perk to dispose of royal furniture from the royal palaces when it was felt to be out of date or uh, you know, on the change of a regime or whatever, and he could do whatever he liked with it. And so Charles Sackville brought this furniture to Knoll, where it lined these great galleries and these beds which dominated the um, the principal bedchambers, and has stayed there and survived pretty much intact for the past 300 years. But what is actually a collection of royal cast-offs is in fact the sort of glory of Knoll. A collection of royal cast-offs. <laughs> But they're stunning. It's interesting to me when I think of 17th century furniture, I think of small furniture. From the photos, those Stuart chairs look to be very large. Well, some of them are, and some of them are they're large because um, they are what is known as chairs of state. And these were the sorts of chair uh, on which a monarch would have sat in, let's say, Whitehall Palace when he received, you know, distinguished visitors. So they're not just for uh, comfort and domesticity. Uh, they are uh, their furniture, which makes a statement and uh, connotes some sort of status. So these chairs of state in particular are pretty large. And also the royal beds for which Noel is renowned. Uh, also these wonderful four-poster uh, state beds with wonderful uh, gilt carving and very luxurious textiles. They are, you know, very, very impressive objects. Speaking of the beds in the book you wrote, the state apartments on the upper floor with their wonderful interiors have been left mercifully untouched. Much of the furniture there with its fragile upholstery has remained under dust sheets in darkened room for long periods of time. And it is precisely this that accounts for its miraculous survival. You have, as you've been speaking of an internationally significant collection of furniture, textiles, and works of art that is housed in the spaces. So how are you improving conditions in which they are kept? I think there's been a massive improvement in the past 10 years. I mean, Knoll is in fact owned by, and the furniture, not necessarily all the paintings, but the furniture is owned by the National Trust, which is Britain's uh, leading private charity, but it's a very, very uh, large charity which looks after 
a great many uh, national treasure houses and landscapes. And about 15 years ago, the National Trust launched a large restoration program to uh, deal with with Knoll. And Knoll's, as it were, sort of crowning glory, its really unique collection or attribute is this furniture with this, you know, these wonderful textiles. And the problem was, 15 years ago, that a lot of the fabric of Knoll was was crumbling. It was very, very damp inside. There were infestations of woodworm and death watch beetle. And in order to preserve this wonderful collection of furniture, it was necessary, of course, to restore the furniture itself. But there would be no point in doing that if the house itself, the environment to which this furniture would then eventually be returned, was equally restored, made wind and and watertight. And so the National Trust embarked on what actually became the largest single restoration uh, project that it had undertaken on a single house so far, which involved massive work to the external fabric, to windows, to stonework, guttering, roofs, and so on. And then the construction of a conservation studio in an old barn that was part of the uh, the house at Knoll, where the, the, the this furniture and indeed pictures could be worked on by conservators. And so gradually the collection, the individual objects in the collection are being uh, restored and now returned to an environment that is probably as stable as has existed at Knoll for hundreds of years. So actually Knoll is in rather better shape, and that's thanks to the National Trust, uh, than it has been for hundreds of years. In the book, you talked about how Knoll smolders rather than sparkles. Were you talking about the upper floors and the untouched furniture? I was talking partly about that. And yes, I think that that is really true of the the furniture and the 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 gilding for example on the furniture it's it it's not a sort of glittery gleamy effect but a, a much more sort of subtle smoldering one but i think actually that sort of description is is equally true of the house in its entirety it's old Noel, and it it it's always given appearance of age even when it was sort of at first built it, it it's prided itself on being what you know english scholars of the 18th century would have called an ancient pile and it's never been flash or glittery it's always been slightly faded magnificence uh, sort of lustrous that's the spirit of Noel, and I think that both when Noel was being conserved by the National Trust and what and anything that we personally have done in our own apartments has always been while making things modern and workable, never presenting something that appeared too sparkly or brand new to preserve that that magic that that, that smolders rather than sparkles. Oh, I love that so much. So uh, could you please read the paragraph on page eight? It takes a long time to walk from one end of the house to the other, and the main routes meander through a series of lobbies or come to sudden stops at dead ends. On the way, you encounter the most unexpected juxtapositions, an 18th century fire engine here, a range of cobwebbed classical busts there. It is the bits and pieces that people could never bring themselves to throw away that reveal just as much about the past and its denizens as Knoll's unrivaled collection of Stuart furniture. The toys, a jumble of letters, bills and photos spilling out of drawers, 
and of course the keys keys that might one day unlock no one knows which room which chest or which moment in the secret history of the house and its inhabitants so the other night i was out to dinner with a good friend who works at cravat here in new york city and we were chatting about being burdened by objects and family heirlooms on a much much smaller scale might i add so let me ask you about the feeling of being oppressed by the past this is such an interesting concept for me as someone who is the keeper of my own family belongings in history what are your emotions when it comes to thinking about having all of this responsibility if you look at the history, as I have done, of Noel over these 400 years, there have been individuals who have felt oppressed by the past. I mean, they have felt that um, they have some uh, responsibility, I guess, at first to their ancestors, to keep the place going and not be the one who let it all fall apart. So I think they've been burdened, some of them, by the responsibility to keep the place going. And actually, they've also, some of them, been, I think, burdened by uh, the fact that wherever they go around the house, there is some ancestor in a portrait on a wall sort of overlooking them, and possibly, they think, judging them in some way. So they feel uh, slightly exposed to the judgment of history. And I guess that if you're a, a, or of a certain disposition, you know, you could find this, and people have, a little bit gloomy. It was something that Jane and I uh, talked about when we decided to move here. And it was something that we, as I, I said earlier, that we decided to take on. And actually, one of the things that I did at around the time that we were making our decision whether to move into Knoll or not was I, I was actually writing a book not this one, but a, a previous one, on Noel, called Inheritance. And one of the reasons I uh, wanted to write that book was to make sure that I understood these issues, that I understood the history of Noel, the history and it, the effect it has had on uh, some people, that I was actually, in some way or other, in control of that history and therefore would not allow this history to dominate or, or oppress me. So I've become quite relaxed about it. And actually, I'm, I'm interested in, in a way, celebrating this past rather than uh, feeling burdened by it. I just adore the fact that you collaborated with the incomparable Ashley Hicks for the glorious photos in this book. Please talk a little bit about that. Well, in fact, it was at a uh, dinner in New York about four years ago that I met Charles Myers, who's the uh, publisher at Rizzoli. And he said, had I ever uh, thought about collaborating on a picture book of Noel? And I had actually thought about it in the past, but not really done anything about it. And then, you know, when Rizzoli, you know, who must be about the finest publisher of art books in the world, approached me, I, you know, this is absolutely something I would love to do. And then Rizzoli you know, suggested a number of potential uh, photographers, but Ashley was far and away uh, the right photographer for this book for a great many reasons. And I was really lucky uh, that he was interested in doing this. He had some, not much, but some prior knowledge of Noel, but I knew from work that I had seen uh, of his that he would absolutely capture the spirit of the place. 
which I think he has done. I'd, I, I saw a book that he'd done, for example, on Buckingham Palace. And uh, I thought, well, if he can make Buckingham Palace look so wonderful inside, what on earth is he going to be able to do for Noel? And he, he, he really did it. And I think it's partly because he's a great, great photographer, but it's also because he really knows so much about design and a decoration. I mean, far, far more than I do. So it was that, com- you know, he has a great eye. He has a great historical knowledge and he is very, very professional. And he was a joy to work with. Uh, I felt very privileged. In the middle of the pandemic lockdown, he would go on Instagram and flip through a design book and talk about features in this room or the history of that room. He knows so much. He really does. And, you know, in a, actually, in, uh, he opened my eyes to certain aspects of the house. I mean, he was in, for example, what's called the King's Room at Knoll one afternoon. And the King's Room is generally the shutters are down and artificial lighting and uh, there was nobody about but he was able to uh, briefly open the uh, the shutters and and photograph the bed in its you know in in natural light and you know he he texted me i was about you know in our apartments about a couple of hundred yards away he texted me and said you've got to come up robert uh, you you may never have seen this i went up and there he was and i had never seen the room bathed in natural light. So, you know, that was just one of the many ways in which he actually um, um, opened my eyes to the, uh, you know, richness of Noel. Before horse racing, deer hunting was the sport of kings. I'd love to hear a little bit about the deer that roamed the thousand acres. I mean, even before it was a sport of kings, or at the same time as it was a sport of kings, it was also, surprisingly, a sport of um, archbishops. So when Noel was owned by the archbishops of Canterbury, you know, these archbishops were great sort of temporal barons. And Archbishop Borchier, the first archbishop of Canterbury to own Noel, used the park as his private deer park for hunting deer. And it has been a deer park ever since. Not for hunting, I can assure you. Some members, I think, of that original flock, their descendants, uh, these fallow deer, still roam the park at Knoll. Another animal I would love for you to chat about is the leopard, which is this Sackville emblem. How did that come about? The leopard has come to dominate Knoll. You know, on the stone gables of the house, perch a total, I think, of 27 stone leopards. There are leopards woven into all the plaster work on the ceilings of uh, some of the rooms into the woodwork. There are leopards uh, that glow in stained glass windows. And all. It is the, uh, I would say, the leopard is the dominant animal at Knoll. I think I would choose the leopard too for my yeah, crest. Yeah. <laughs> Good choice. So what projects are you working on these days? Well, um, I'm working you know, on one or two things, like discussing uh, with you this particular book. I'm also promoting the paperback of a book I wrote a year ago on the different ways in which Britain commemorates the, its war dead of the um, First World War and how people searched for their missing loved ones during and after that war. So those are the two things I'm doing at the moment. And I will, at some point, uh, work on some new project. But it takes me a lot of time, actually, to work out the subjects that I'm interested in. So I'm still sort of digging around um, 
trying to find something that you know a subject that I really I can get into in the same way as I did, for example, with this Noel book. Where can we find you and Noel on the web and social media? Well, again, I um, I basically have no social media profile at all. Ashley's got a great one. And uh, Noel itself, you know, the National Trust at Noel have a uh, social media presence. Well, thank you so much for giving us a wonderful look inside one of the great treasure houses of Britain. And thanks for coming on Decorating by the Book podcast. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you very much for the time. Follow Decorating by the Book on Instagram. And thanks for listening to the one and only interior design book podcast, Decorating by the Book.